0: It's the bonus episode of Locked On Guardians. Honey, I blew up the ace. If you listen to Friday's show, you get the joke. We will be talking about Rick Moranis all episode long. It's gonna be it's gonna be Ghostbusters, it's gonna be Honey I Shrunk the Kids, it's gonna be Streets of Fire on today's episode. No, it's gonna be baseball. I'm kidding. On today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Jeff. Over there is Justin. I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever you get podcasts, even on a Saturday. Uh we have you covered every day more than like anyone else, right? Six days a week so far for us doing these. Uh we, we appreciate days. we appreciate you, and we keep doing them because the the numbers have been solid. So we we appreciate everyone and uh showing their love for the show, being part of the Locked On Guardians family. This is a continuation from Friday, uh literally like about 10 minutes in between. So uh we're gonna be doing what we discussed if you listen to Friday's show. We're going to talk about the Bieber extension stuff that hopped into uh, on The Athletic. Talk about some more of those rule changes that are interesting and some college baseball at the end. Uh, and if you're curious, yes, I do own every one of those Rick Moranis movies I mentioned at the start of the show. So
1: uh, and Strange Brute, too. So let's just
0: you know, make sure we're getting high ones
1: here. I haven't seen I've seen original Ghostbusters. I did not see the last one you referenced. I've seen. Honey, I shrunk the kids. I I have uh, seen Honey, I blew up the kid, and uh, they're Which making a continuation was... of those movies. By the way, Rick yeah, Moranis I... is coming back. This is locked yeah. on Rick Moranis.
0: It <laughs> is locked on Rick Moranis. Uh, yeah, like he. But it was interesting. I I've, I own both both Ghostbusters, and as a child, I was a Ghostbuster for a few Halloweens. I still have the proton pa- pro, not the protein pack, the proton pack, the one that was like that Fisher Price one with like, pew, pew, you know, you had the little. You put a like a pool, pool noodle in the front of it. It was essentially oh. what that proton pack was back in the day. Um, I was
1: a, a Ghostbuster as recently as 2018. My I mean, uh, company I, uh, used, to work for, used to make used to make uh, some fireproof like pullover suit, and they look like Ghostbuster uniforms. So as recent yeah. as 2018, I was in my 30s then, and I was still a Ghostbuster. So how about that. I mean, I
0: wear my glow in the dark Ghostbuster shirt that uh, every year on Halloween when I'm teaching. Like, I always throw that on uh, before the Halloween. That's that's my go-to. Uh, Streets of Fire is, I think, what most would consider it a cult film. Uh, it, but for those who who like it, it can it can run really deep. Uh, I enjoy it. Uh, Walter Hill, same guy who made um, The Warriors and a bunch of you know Forty Eight Hours and things like that. But it's a at the it calls it a rock opera, but it it is it it is. It. Uh, we don't need to go into this. Let's get into baseball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shane Bieber, is the Ellen Aim and the attack? I'm kidding. Uh, more references to a movie. He would totally be Michael Paray's character from that movie. Uh, t- uh, Tom Cody. Uh, that that that's what is actually in this article. While I took that second to pull it up, is they're trying to project what guys are going to get paid and uh, who are nearing arbitration. And I believe it was Zeno you know, Sarah. No, it was Tim Britton. I had it wrong. Uh, Tim Britton did this, and he's looking at kind of similar players. And Corbin Burns is the most expensive. They let off with Burns, and he's about they they think he would average on the open market about twenty nine million per season. And this is where the Shane Bieber stuff comes. And you know we had Sully on a few weeks ago, and I love Sully, but you know one of our arguments when we had Sully on maybe it was a few months ago now was it's like you know it's ridiculous Cleveland isn't paying, and I'm like well let's also realize Shane Bieber's twenty eight, he's an older pitcher. You don't necessarily want to pay him. That's uh, any pitcher of that type of buddy like a 10-year contract moving to the 30s. It's a high risk. And the comps for Bieber, by the way, Zach Grenke, who was able to keep it together, and and Cole Hamels, who had some injury issues moving forward through the length of his next big contract. And uh, their F wars in, in kind of the free aging year, 4.9 for Bieber, 5 for Grenke, 4.6 for Hamels. And, you know, the, the three-year and the five-year matchup, And when you're looking at his overall cost, it's, it's projecting, you know, those two guys each got six years, 144 and six years, 147 million. So they're saying that like, if you were to give an extension to Bieber starting this season, that he would be somewhere around seven years, 168 million. So you're getting him till his mid thirties at a lot of money. And you know, if you got the money, great. I don't know how I'd feel about that contract. It'd be, I mean, I'd be happy if Bieber was locked up. Don't get me wrong. But like, there's a lot of risk for a guy who last year was u- viewed as like a rebound year where we all had some current concerns about velocity at the start of the year, right? Like he isn't, if you're going to give a crud ton of money to someone, it's trade for Corbin Burns and sign him because
1: there aren't as many concerns. Right, Justin? Yes. Thank no, you, you for coming around. Finally, bike. my love for Corbin Burns. We're done. Just, Thank you for listening to today's episode of Locked on Guardians We've Accomplished. All we need to accomplish. Well, I need. I need something to get Jeff in the World Baseball Classic, but he has come around on Corbin Burns, so I've accomplished one of two my two goals. I'll take fifty percent. Hey, hitting three hundred gets you into the Hall of Fame. So if I am hitting five hundred on my my two goals, greatest I'm, hitter of all time. That's right. I would be Corbin Burns. Um, uh, 70 years, one sixty-eight. Like I think that deal gets done. Like if they offered him seven one sixty-eight, I am sure he'd take it. Like I, I can't imagine he wouldn't. Although. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how many – he doesn't have Scott Boris, but he, he is represented by Drew Rosenhaus and his agency, which is – I don't think there's a lot of guys I can nail on the top of my head who – in baseball who are rep by the Rosenhaus group. Um, and Rosenhaus is pretty – is kind of the Scott Boris of the NFL, right? Like, he gets guys to – see. I don't know. The NFL is a different thing. Like, guys sign extensions because of the salary cap and – because there's not a lot of guaranteed money in the NFL the way there is in major league baseball. So it's hard to compare, but I feel like personality wise and how he tries to challenge things, Boris is, or Rosenhaus is more of the Boris of the NFL. So I don't know. It is do so I think one, 17168 could get it done probably. Part of me thinks that even if they offered that, which I don't know if I don't think they will, would he still try to test free agency anyway because of his, of his, of his, of, of what it means to players and what he can get in the open market and who his agent is, maybe. I'm sure I'm, I don't know. After 2020, even after 2019, if you would have told me, Hey, Cleveland's going to sign Shane Bieber to a hundred million dollar deal or, you know, over a hundred million dollars after 2019, I would have said, yeah, I'm not, I mean, 2020. Yeah. I'll take that too, but we're not, we're not really going to take anything in 2020. Even if We won the Cy Young, but we're not going to, you know, you can't take the good or bad from 2020 because there was just all weirdness in 2020. Like if you would have told me in 2019 that he would get a hundred million dollar deal from Cleveland, I probably would have said, yeah, that's fine. Like I, that's good. That's great. And yeah, now, now I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical about that. I mean, you have a bunch of prospects coming in the way. I know there's no such thing as a pitching prospect and, all these guys, the Espino, Bybee, Williams, Cantillo, we've already seen Cantillo, Espino, and, and Morris already have injury issues. So all these guys aren't going to pan out. Tristan McKenzie is risky, even though he costs less. You still have a couple of cheaper guys in front of him. I don't know. I, I do have some reservations about giving Shane Bieber $160 million or whatever it is, but at the same time, If you have Beaver, if you have McKenzie, if you have two of the group of Espina-Williams, IB Morris, Cantillo, like if you just have two of them, I feel good about that too. Uh, And you can afford to do it, right? Because the back half of your rotation is going to be cheap when you get those prospects coming up, right? So you think, okay, we and McKenzie's going to go to arbitration here soon. Um, but I also don't think because of the TV issue right now and the, and the revenue coming TV issue, that's going to happen. either. So I think we both agree that they're not going to offer that extension, but it's an interesting idea. And it's an interesting place.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting just in general, that article, um, when you go and you look at it, because it's like the other names mentioned, we obviously mentioned Corbin Burns, but you go through, it's like Max Fried, probably better than you think. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, who's already 30 walker bueller with his injuries uh Framber valdez who's actually maybe one of the cleanest pitchers on the list uh dylan cease who you know has had his it was great last year but it's kind of a one-year guy logan webb with the giants zach gallen uh whose comp is pretty awful because it's john lackey but um, but even I, I guess looking at this i did not realize like like they did mitch keller like he's going to break out big. I thought that was kind of a an interesting one. Michael Kopak being the last one, too. But it's a fun exercise. Good logic behind it. Um, we are we are not blowing up the ace, though. It seems that uh, he is likely probably, I would bet, going to the West Coast. Speaking of things you can get on the West Coast, that would be our good friends over at BuiltBar.com. And I got a lot of things to talk about Built Bar. One, I'm putting in an order this evening because they've got hot chocolate. And I always like things that are hot chocolate flavored. That is a win for me. Right now, cozy up your taste buds with new hot cocoa bite. So those are small ones. It's a quick bite and uh, 80 grams or 80, 80 calories, 80 gram. Man, do it again. Eight, whew, 80 calories, eight grams of protein, five grams of sugar. Tastes like hot cocoa, but also let's do a quick rundown of the sweet 64. Banana cream pie, peanut butter brownie. It's peanut butter brownie there for me. Cookie dough bar, cookie dough puff. I'll go cookie dough bar. Coconut or coconut marshmallow puff. I'm going to go coconut marshmallow puff. Churro, salted caramel. Going churro. Brownie batter puff. Coconut brownie chunk. You got to go with the coconut brownie chunk. Double chocolate. Lemon dip cheesecake. Go with that double chocolate. Mint brownie puff versus mint brownie. I'm going to go mint brownie, but I haven't tried either. Maple donut or cookies or cream. Go cookies and cream. They are doing. If you go and fill out your own betting or your betting, your own voting right now, you can get a 12 bar mix box at 15% off. Or you can always get that using that promo code LOCK15. Or you can go to Sam's Club or Walmart and try it today. Uh, new rules. Do you want to jump in? I mean, it's it, this is where they test everything out in the minors. So it's important to see what they're changing because it's the future. of rule changes in the majors.
1: Am I the only one around here gives crap about the rules? That's I'm bringing that back to Friday, too. If you can bring back other stuff from Friday. I'm, I'm bringing that back until everybody gets the the reference um yeah it's gonna it's gonna be interesting some of the roles in the minor leagues i i don't love i don't love some of these so the one that we haven't really talked about and i just saw somebody else on twitter and i, I i'm not gonna take credit for the idea but somebody else brought it up and i thought it was a good th- uh good point pitch clock and uh, the ab or the pitch clock and the pitch inter, intercom thing the pitch com they haven't had the pitch com in AAA, and they had the you know had the pitch clock. How does that affect? How does the pitch com affect affect the pitch clock? Like we've seen a couple guys in spring training where they've had you had that issue technology issues with the pitch com, and that's not something they have to worry about in the minor leagues yet. They haven't tested that, so that's another thing I didn't think about. But uh, pitch com is coming to AAA, which is good but they're reducing the pitch clock to 14 seconds instead of 15 seconds. Um, Is it with runners on base? Is that what it was?
0: Uh, And then it's even, it's a little bit longer with runners on base. It's like they're reducing it with no runners on. And then there is one for runners on base as well. Like it varies depending if someone's on base or not too.
1: It's 18. Okay. So it's going to be 19 seconds with runners on from double a down. It'll be 18 seconds. In the big league it's 20. So with runners on, with runner, no runners on, they're talking 14 seconds. So right now in the majors it's going to be 15 seconds with no runners on and 20 seconds with a runner on and they're going to move it to 19 seconds with a runner on. In triple A and double A, it's going to be 18 seconds with 14 seconds for both with no runners on. Why are we why are we cutting down one more second? I think if anything Excuse me. I'm I'm I'm, I'm okay with the pitch clock rule It works. It'll, it'll be fine. People will stop breaking out once they, once the players and the umpires kind of get used to things they haven't had to get used to before. I think we don't, we won't see a lot of issues because you and I have said time and time again on the podcast that we've, we've seen minor league games and there's just very minimal issues caused by it. So it's not going to be as big a deal. People think, I think it's going to be a good thing, but I would argue like you could probably get a few more seconds back. Like, 22 seconds with a runner on and 16 or 17 seconds with with, uh, with nobody on instead of the 15. Like, why, are, why is it going in the other direction? I'm, I'd, I'd be curious to see what their studies are. What they're They don't have any reasoning on here as to why they're doing this. This is just uh, – we're going to try this one. I don't know why. Why is it shorter? I i want I would like to hear reasoning or some science behind it other than just, you know, trying to make it quicker because – I'm just trying to cut it quicker.
0: Seconds. I think it's just the quickness. They because want to get the game working, faster. Though. I know that they just want to keep, they want to see just how fast they get it down. They want to figure out what is the optimal. I think it's, it's just tinkering. It's, it's a lot of tinkering. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's interesting how much they're going to use the miners as, as, as science fair time, right? Like this is just where to test everything out.
1: Yeah. I get that. It's fine. It's just, i just, and then I know people are saying oh, I don't want less baseball. It's not less baseball. It's it's more action in the time you're there. It's less downtime, which I am totally on board with. It's just why not why can't we let, why can't we see how this I, I don't know. I just want an explanation of why we are why they've decided that they need to make a further adjustment to this rule, like and cut it down. Like I said, I think if anything, maybe can give them a little time back. We're not talking crazy, but like two more seconds might help avoid a lot of these these situations where you've got a player who has to be looking at the, at the pitcher with eight seconds left. Like you have to be focused on the pitcher and the hitter at eight seconds left. If you give like a second or two back, that'll probably happen. Like it'll be fine. And you won't see, cause you know, it does cause a longer disruption. Let's be honest. If there is a pitch clock violation where you have to issue a walk or a, a strike or a ball, it does take more time because in a lot of cases you'll have a pitcher who is like, getting into his windup, but he hasn't like gone. And then the, the clock goes, whatever. And the umpire stops play. Well, guess what? You got to reset and do it all over again. That takes up more time. Just let let the player go through his windup and you, you still get the same and desired effect. So if anything, I think you need to add a second back. So I don't know. I just hope they have an explanation for this at some point.
0: Yeah. I, I Unfortunately, I don't have a good answer. I just feel like that, you know, each of these is testing and it's going to see like, Oh, does it have a positive effect? Does it have a negative effect? I think they're just going to keep messing with things. And I think we're going to see changes every year with, we might see times go up next year. We might see them go down they're just going to continue to, to have, um, they're just going to continue to tinker. And I feel that is part of the rules. Are, are they, I was trying to remember, are they also messing with bases again down there too? They may see somewhere. As a well, state. the base
1: the base size will be bigger, and the one thing I do agree right, with they're actually going to do is, um, what a nice what was the rule? Oh, not agree with, but they're going to do that that pie slice thing where they they do like a, a triangle cut over second base, and it's going to go out towards the outfield, and it's going to show where the infielders can't go. So if you're watching, it's it I'm I'm making like a V. It's like a, a pie slice that goes into second base and it goes out. As a carrot-like looking thing to the outfield, and it's going to show where infielders can't stand. I don't know. I, I guess we'll see if that really helps. I don't think teams are going to really be trying to circumvent the shifting. They don't want they don't want guys starting too close to the base or whatever. But I don't know. That's not that big of a deal to me.
0: No, and we're going to get uh, more with the automatic uh, strike system which I'll be curious. I'm, I'm always curious to see how that goes. The chance for less, you know, Angel
1: Hernandez and um show is always a good thing. Right. Well, they could just eliminate a lot of by firing him, but you know, I yeah. need would sue him. So um, yeah, I don't know the automatic ball strike thing. I, I think it's a to- a long time coming. I hope it's coming because I don't know. I, I think there's still a lot of kinks be worked out. I will say like the pitch clock thing, I think we've seen it work in the minor leagues. And I think the automatic ball strike thing we've seen, there's still a lot of things to work out. So more testing is good in that respect. The only thing I I am concerned about is, you know, you're messing with some of these prospects careers, right? Like these guys are in the minor leagues. They're trying to make it. And I know the percentage is low, but when you keep testing these rules out and you have faulty technology or you're like, Oh, this rule doesn't work. Well, how did it affect this prospect like did it did it i mean i think teams can probably are smart enough to take the noise out when they're evaluating guys to not let rules impact them so maybe i'm i'm not making a really good point here but with things like the pitch clock i think more for pitchers you know the automatic ball strike thing like does it change their stats like bad bad walk rates bad strikeout rates like those things affect pitchers and if you've got a faulty technology and a lot of teams run algorithms and and projections through their um, analytics department for guys. And if they plug in that a guy, you know, has a couple more walks because of, you know, a faulty technology system for automatic ball strike, you know, does that impact his career at all? I, I, like I said, I assume teams are smart enough to, to signal or to filter out the noise with some of that stuff. And they have their own cameras in the ballpark and, and stuff like that. And, Maybe if you're missing that close, it's not a big miss anyway, but I don't know. I, I do wonder if it does impact for some players in a negative way that you're going in there and just kind of treating it like a science lab where these guys are trying to develop and try to have careers.
0: Yeah, it's, it's I, I, I get that. It definitely, well, they're messing with things, it could mess with someone's career. Uh, speaking of careers, do you need to hire people? Do you need new staffers? I know as a teacher, we can never have enough teaching aids, uh, but across, across industries, we know this is the case. These days, new potential hire, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You wanna be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. So you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's super easy to create a job on LinkedIn. Just add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to get the candidates with the skills you need so you can prioritize who you want to interview and who you want to hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality candidates versus their leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lock.mlb. That's linkedin.com slash lock.mlb to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Time to talk college baseball. Uh, I talked about this a little bit on yesterday's show. Uh, This year, the top of this class is getting super strong. Uh, Right now, when you look at Dylan Cruz, Wyatt Langford, uh, Chase Dollander, who may not even be the best Chase on this team. Uh, That's how good Chase Burns has been. Paul Skeens and Jacob Gonzalez. Like that's that's a pretty sweet top 5 college guys and you know depending on how you look at max clark uh it's it's really about six elite players and someone's going to slide someone always does someone's going to pop you know guys like uh brendan taylor could when shock me if they moved up high it is a super deep group yet saying all of that jack cag i'm not going to get his name right caglioni cagli oh my gosh so fun what a fun uh game. on top of like being, uh, you know, just a doing everything type of... A- Listen, Vance Honeycutt had the number one overall pick locked up for next year. Then Jack came along. And he's, he's a pitcher. He's a hitter. Uh, Joe Doyle had a great fact that, like, if he is on pace to, like, get close to the all-time single-season home run record for NCAA baseball, which is just unbelievable. Like, he's on pace to hit 44 home runs this year. Uh, Caglione is. And... I thought it was 45. What I thought it was 45. Is the record? Yeah. I mean he's close. Like, but uh the record was in like 70 games. Like he did it in more games. But it's also like that was when we had different baseballs that went further. That's when you could doctor your bat to the nth degree. Like that is a record that no one should be able to approach because the conditions in the 80s with Pete Inconveil Incon Yeah. Inconve- Thank you. Uh which is it was a different world. It was a he was a redshirt senior at the time. Very different world. Um And the fact that, by the way, Brock Wilkin from Wake Forest, which, yes, it is a very much a hitter's park there in spite of how good the pitchers do. Uh, Wilkin was one of those guys who some people thought could be the top overall pick after his freshman year. Like, he was up there with Dylan Cruz and had a bit of a stumble as a sophomore. But, man, that guy has some exit velocities for days. Uh, Just looking at that top 10 list, I mean, tied to third is Tristan Kastis' brother, Gavin, who transferred to South Carolina this year. That's another fun story. There's just so many players performing. There's so many guys. Uh, I mean, Cleveland, I I still say, you know, Jerron Watts-Brown makes way, way, way too much sense. And if you want the hitter version, that's Matt Shaw of Maryland, who I think is currently hurt, who also lit it up on the Cape. But, you know, next year's class, Honeycat, Caglione, uh, Brandon Montgomery, uh, I know I'm blanking on a few others, but it is these, these last two classes have been Chase look-
1: Burns next year. It, no, isn't Chase, Chase Burns is a freshman, isn't he? No, Chase Burns is a sophomore. Is he he? Last okay. year. He's eligible next year. But yeah, it's, uh,
0: it's, it's going to be a really fun, <laughs> uh, you know, two years here. And, I got to sit there and start going through my lists and kind of compiling. I'm, obviously, I'm not spending too much on next year outside of just watching the players who are fun. But yeah, it's it's been a fun college baseball season. The the high school group is maybe a little weaker this year. And I think we, I don't even know if I want to say it's weaker. It's just, I think as we get more data and we get more information, I think we're going to see a lot more college players just be a premium placed on them.
1: Yeah, I mean, the college classes the last few years have been really exciting. There were some good hitters. I mean, the strength of the 2022 class was college bats, right? That's why mm-hmm. a lot of teams went that way. That's why Cleveland went that way, because they had a guy in, in the in the ranks they were interested in.
0: And the year before, um, it was college pitchers, and Cleveland went that way. And this year, it's right, just college yeah, talent.
1: It is, yeah. I, I mean, again, I don't have your your depth of knowledge and your history on, college, on, on draft stuff. I've gotten into it more the last uh, three years, going back to 2020. Um, again, I've said this on the show a couple of times, I, my view on Cleveland is like, yeah, they're willing to take risks, but I think they are always looking for the inefficiency when it comes to the draft and exploiting and going after what's there, where, where the strength is and always trying to find if there, if there is an efficiency to be exploited, they'll take it like a, a Spino or a, a Hankins or a Williams, things of that, the or things of that nature. So there is that, um, as far as players go, I mean, I, I, I've been keeping a running tally of guys, too, so I can try to keep up with you mostly. Jerron Watts-Brown's the top of my list for college pitches. We've talked about Tanner Hall. Um, and we've talked about some of the Wake Forest guys, too. I don't think louder will get there. And you've talked about how there's not a whole lot of uh, juice to be squeezed out of those guys when they get out of, out of Wake Forest, which is not typically Cleveland style. They look for pitchers who... They can, they can develop further. Like That's why they took all those Florida guys, which we've said before. But I kind of wonder, like, okay, Sean Sullivan isn't – I don't think he's your typical um, Wake Forest guy because, let's remember, he was also a transfer. It wasn't like he had spent multiple years there. This He is a transfer from Northwestern. So, I don't know, does that change the calculus at all? I mean, because if you look at him just as a pitcher, the data – the delivery reminds me a lot of Logan Allen. Uh, you know, they they also – Cleveland also likes to look for specific arms – not specific arm slots, but things that make their their pit, like pitch data a little more interesting. So I know you, you've said your feelings on Wake Forest pitchers before, but does him being a, a transfer, you know, change your thoughts or, or at least give you a little bit more to go on there rather than just the usual – you know, Wake Forest guys don't develop in the majors because they're already kind of a finished product and they haven't really worked out well at the major league level.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the transfer component and, like, he wasn't
1: – you know,
0: he he did get some Cape experience, but it was very little. And, you know, he – you know, the Tabor Academy, uh, what Mike Vasili a few years ago came from there. That's the the school in Massachusetts to go to, it seems like, if you're a pitcher. The performance is there. I just – it feels like by the time they would come around to him um, that he might already be gone. And I don't know, maybe this is in my head. You can correct me if I'm wrong in this Matt, It feels like they don't take a lot of those starter reliever types. Like they take guys who are starters, who are stretched out, who they know can hold up, especially kind of with those earlier picks.
1: The earlier picks. Yeah. I was going to say, because like, like in the first, flash- in
0: the first three to three to four rounds, like, you know, left, which was a
1: reliever, but. Um, yeah, Franco Aleman was not really yeah. a, a specific ra- uh, role guy, I would argue. I, I mean, they took guys like Gio Rivera and Javier Santos Tejada last year, who I would argue, I mean, they're their community college and, and prep guy, so it's a little bit different, but they don't have defined roles. But I suppose that's a little bit different. No, not not the early picks, that's for yeah, sure. I just, and I feel I, like
0: he's there's a chance he could be, like, I, know, I think he's going in the first three rounds. Maybe I'm wrong in that.
1: Who Sean Sean Sullivan? Sean Sullivan, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I'm not talking about a first pick. about the first round overall. I mean, if you want to get in the first round overall, I think you've already kind of mentioned some of the guys. The Other guy I've been looking at too, who is kind of a a transfer as well, is uh, Grand Canyon Zach Thornton. And Cleveland's already got a Zach Thornton in their system, but so far this year, Zach Thornton, another lefty pitchability guy, who gets into the low nineties from Grand Canyon, uh, 38 strikeouts, two walks in 24 and two thirds innings. He was a uh, a Juco guy at Barton community college for two years where he was pretty darn good. uh, Last year, one Oh nine whip at two six, three ERA, 96, 91 strikeouts, 26 walks, 78 and two thirds innings. Interesting uh, arm slot. So Zach Thornton's a guy I put on my list. Um, We've already talked about Tanner hall, plenty Uh, Noah hall from South Carolina to me makes a little bit of sense. And, I don't know. Jackson Ballmeister was another guy, too, who had control issues on the Cape. But uh, Florida State doesn't develop uh, well. So, well that's, and that's the point, right? Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying.
0: So that's the guy that, that Car- has more juice Mon- and squeeze. Carson Montgomery as well. Like, Carson Montgomery, I think, was <laughs> my – I'd have to go look at the list. He might have been my – I believe he's the highest-rated prep player, prep pitcher to get to college. Like I mean, Florida State had a heck of a haul um, – with, with Montgomery and Bumgarner, and they don't have a lot to show for it, and teams have done well, and, I mean, Cleveland drafted from Florida State last year.
1: And uh, they had a couple guys taken and from their, their team, their yeah. pitching staff last year, two of who, I think two had Tommy John. It was uh, Hubart yeah. and who else? I'm blanking. Yeah. I gotta be honest. Was there but... somebody else?
0: I, I just knew Hubart had, but the, it's the developmental history there has, has not been great. So I, I do think, you know, that that's, that's a bonus when you're the guardians, right? You, you're kind of thinking there's more growth potential and, you know, I, I would be curious to see
1: either of those guys in Cleveland. Um, it, well, it's, you, go ahead. You look at it as, as a thing like, okay, Cleveland is confident and, and has the, has the history of being able to do this kind of stuff. So you can look at it as some of these guys in a different way than other teams can, because they see this type and they see, okay, this is not a player we can develop. This is a guy who is missing X, Y, Z from his game that we don't think is worthy of drafting here. But Cleveland sees X, Y, Z as things they can develop and change and get more out of the sky. So they're, they're able to take guys like this and, Real and and feel confident in their what their plan is and what they feel like they can their, their play development can do with them, and see things that other teams don't see. It's kind of like, you know, when you're hunting, you're searching for a house, right? And you go to you're you're looking for houses and you don't see any furniture or any layouts in the in the house sometimes, or maybe you have to renovate a house. If you don't have an eye for like, you know, this is what the house looks like before renovations and what it could look like after you're done. You know what I mean? Like if you don't have the eye for that it's hard for you to visualize it without actually doing it. The guardians have an eye for this kind of stuff or things they can fix with pitchers or what they can add to their tool belt and make them better. So they have that sort of structure in place to to be able to see the future with these guys And, and teams I'm sure all do, but Cleveland just happens to have a good reputation history for doing this. So maybe it's a little easier for them to identify guys Like this, where maybe other teams would pass them by because of those things.
0: And I think, you know, to give it the local flair, I think you do have to look at Isaiah Coupe Coupe, uh, as well. I know he had that one six-walk game, but he's got seven walks total this year. So, outside of that one, and again, that was probably the best competition he faced, but uh, strikeout rate over 13, ERA of 0.5, two secondary offerings that get close to 3,000 RPMs. He's undersized, but the, the, the other thing we've seen at Cleveland is like, did they freak out when Chase Delatter, uh was terrible against those Florida State le- pitchers? No, they they don't sure. get, they're not going to get shifted by a player not playing well in their one big premium matchup. Uh, they don't mind undersized. They like athletic. They like guys who can spin it. And they like guys with growth. Ohio State, Justin, who is the last hyper effective Ohio State player uh, baseball wise in the majors? Nick Swisher yes
1: Ooh, that's bad yeah Yeah. there hasn't been well Ohio State I'm just trying to think Big Ten in general
0: I mean Big Ten gets a guy or two every year like uh, Rutgers had a really I mean Brandon Lau Tim (laughs) Tim Heron yeah uh, Paul Tates is a guy at Purdue who was uh, went to the school I used to teach at. He's playing really well down there. <laughs> Throw him. You got Brody himself. Brecht
1: at Iowa now. Which, yeah, I mean,
0: Brody Brecht. Talk about next year's next class. Year. Yeah, he's yeah. next year. He's the he's the big pitcher to watch for next year. Uh, with Chase Burns. That's again. That's why like these are uh you know good time for your team to be awful these next two years. Congrats to to those at the top. Um,
1: Washington but, uh, and Oakland
0: locked up. Yeah, yeah they're going to be happy next year. But uh, yeah, I I think. Said, i think coupe is a guy to watch because i mean ohio state ohio state's had a few interesting guys through the years um you know uh the lefty last year who i'm blanking on logan no um lonsway lonsway it was seth lonsway, lonsway. lonsway angels right angels uh i think for i'm thinking texas in my mind but i could be wrong i think it's the texas rangers but i could be wrong in that but you know it's like he, coupe was a uh, not a big name and uh he is really uh, really pitching well he did have one game as a reliever so i gotta check into that a little bit more but yeah
1: i think he fits the guardians very well seth lonsley went to the giants in the sixth round by the way so we're both, both i wrong. had i had the coast i had the coast right at least
0: um i had some consonants and vowels right uh we want to thank everyone for checking out the bonus <laughs> show uh tell us what players uh Kyle Teal, uh, we cursed immediately after talking about him. He immediately doubled his strikeout total on the year to four, from two to four. Uh, so we, we we did him dirty. Uh, who else would you like to hear us talk about? What players uh, would you like us to dive into? Maybe a program you'd like us to discuss. Uh, hit us up in the comments below. Thank you all for doing all you do as part of Locked Lockdown Guardians team. And go, go, Guardians go.